0: Hello and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. Appreciate you guys tuning into this episode recorded for the first week of August in 2020. And I wanted to jump into a couple of the things I've been doing through the month of July and some of the outdoor camping and travel stuff I've been up to. Um, I was going to run down some of that in this uh, podcast today. I wanted to talk about a trip I did out toward eastern oregon uh i think like last or what was a week before last is when i was out in this area and i was trying to to get some good uh, observations in for comet neowise i'm not sure if any of you guys got to check that out while it was uh in its prime viewing section there i think that was why we had uh kind of like the new moon before it switched over to being uh a, a gibbous moon or a nearly full moon like it's been the last week or so but i think uh what was it, around like the 15th through the 25th or so of July, there were some pretty good observations uh, to be made of of Comet Neo-wise. And um, I guess after after kind of reading about it a little bit, it's not considered a great comet like hale was, or uh, I think it was, was it Hi- Hayataki in 1996. We haven't had a great comet in a long time. I remember seeing those when I was a kid, though, and that was pretty cool, uh, like uh, watching hale come through for... It seemed like three months or something, you know, that you were just kind of looking at that in the uh, in the the low corners of the northwestern and western skies. It was kind of cruising across the the skyline there. I remember that still from from like third, fourth grade when it was coming through. And I also remember the year before that when uh, when like straight up in the air you or you know like straight up in the sky at night for it was only like a week or so i was a kid you know but i remember for that week you could see a real bright two-tailed comet that was going through i think i can't remember how to pronounce it. i think it's haitake or i think it's some it's some japanese name uh, i'm pretty sure but that was a really cool one that that one i still remember really clearly and i you know I was only like i don't know seven or something when that like uh when when that comet came through, but I really appreciate getting to make some observations of that one. When as a kid, I missed Haley's comet though. Back in what eighty seven, I think was the last one it uh, it came through, and I probably will be the the few years or that you know that decade or two of of age range that doesn't get to see Haley's comet in their lifetime. So, I think uh I think I was born in eighty eight, of course. So. Uh, if I make it past a hundred, maybe I'll see it. What is it? Maybe like eighty something years. So it's, it's probably not going to come back around until I think it's like the two thousand seventies or two thousand eighties that I'd have to make it to for uh, to see Halley's Comet again. It'd be fun, but uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll see how future, how the, you know, the future is at that time. Um, but it was really cool to get to see Comet Neo Wise. It was uh, just a little below what would be the the legs and feet of Ursa Major, the Big Dipper, or uh, like the Big Bear, as it would kind of be observed. But if you if you kind of look at the the Dipper part that we're all mostly familiar with, uh, if you kind of consider Ursa Major, the larger bear constellation that it's structured on, uh, if you kind of look down below the Dipper is where I was able to make my observations of Comet Neowise, and uh, and over here in the at the elevation area that I'm at. In western Oregon, it's about 200 or 300 feet above sea level, and there's there's kind of a constant problem with haze and with uh, light pollution in this area. And I think it has to do something with, uh, uh, well, like, I mean, of course, you know, the amount of population that's around, and but also uh, it's, there's something about the air quality or about how the air kind of flows out around here that just doesn't ever seem to be as crisp or as dark as you can get up in the mountains. And, uh, and really, uh, yeah, it's just a, like a stunning difference when you're able to get out further, uh, and, and make some, uh, some more clear observations, just, you know, the, the level of magnitude of stars that you're able to reveal just in a dark night is so much more crisp and clear. Uh, it's, it's just like a, it's a total difference. So it was cool to, uh, I, I think I first was able to spot just a little fuzzy bit, uh, of a second magnitude, uh, version of Comet Neowise, while i was here in town but i tried to make a special trip out toward eastern oregon out into the desert just to do some camping stuff but uh what i wanted to do at the same time was make some good observations and, and also try and get some good photographs of comet neowise as it was coming through during its period uh where you could you could make some some good sightings of it but it was cool so going out to eastern oregon as it got dark a little past ten thirty or so as you look to the northwest you could really see the comet and its tail spread for a a couple inches in the sky and I was really surprised to notice how little of it you could really make out or see uh when you're in an area of of almost any light pollution once you're back in town or once you're in a lower elevation area with some light pollution and haze around it was really difficult to make out in the same way that I could out in the desert or out in the mountains and so I thought that was uh, pretty cool to get to get to see and and uh get to check out over there but uh yeah it was a blast getting to do some stuff uh out in eastern Oregon, I went over to the John Day River area, and I was uh, checking out that area. There's a lot of public land out in that area, but there's also some, a lot of private land, too. It's just kind of an interesting area how it's sort of broken up, and um, it was cool to get to go out, go out to. Though. I headed out to Madras, and then I took off and headed over east of there until I ran into the John Day River, and then I was able to use uh, this map that I have to go through and find some of the open off or just the, the open roads that are, uh, you know, the smaller gravel roads that are set up to kind of traverse the back country out there. So I was able to find a few of those that were open and travel around on those for a while. And that was pretty cool. I was able to find some dispersed campsites and set up right along the John Day river, uh, which is really cool. It's a beautiful area out there. It's kind of interesting. The John Day river f- flows through uh, this sort of, I guess it would be, I don't know, it's kind of like canyon land, and it's also sort of these rolling grass hills that sort of make up the landscape of of northern, northern and northeastern Oregon. And I think, uh, yeah, as soon as you kind of get a little, bit for a, little, like a little bit north of Bend is when you get out of the Great Basin area uh, and you start to get into another kind of landscape that seems to stretch up uh, north of the Columbia River up into Washington. I figured that some of it's uh, from like really old, uh, deposits from the river systems and the waterways that were up there and, and how well, like there's old 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 deposits and then and then erosion that's happened from uh those rivers running through the area for such a long time. But uh, but really cool to see kind of the rolling hills and then some of the carved out canyons that go through the John Day uh river area up there. What I found the campsite I was at, I was pretty far away from everybody and I was I was really uh far away from any uh substantial town. I think it was near I don't know. I don't even know what it is. There wasn't anything there when I drove through. it. There was a bridge and and a couple little ranch houses, uh, you know, real ranches, right? Like a or just a little, t- a little, a little house, like a little two bedroom house, and then a hundred acres of of cattle <laughs> to deal with. So uh, it seems uh it seems like another life out there. I wonder how they're dealing with uh, you know, kind of the way of the world as things are this summer. But uh, it was cool. Yeah, getting out there uh, went. Uh, to or yeah kind of set up my campsite and stuff have my truck going and that was all pretty easy going but then i waited till dark after ten thirty. yeah comet neowise was really visible up below the big dipper that was pretty cool to get to see out there in eastern oregon really bright really clear you could almost make out the second tail i had my binoculars with me and i think there's some 10 by 42s and those worked really well to view it uh to view the the comet um looked really crisp through through the binoculars, and it got really easy to spot most of the night. Even just to the naked eye, it was really easy to spot. It was just like, oh, yeah, it's right there. There's a comet. It's just a a big wisp in the sky. Uh, So it was really cool to get to view it. What I did is I set up my tripod, and I have my camera with me. And so I set it up with a really wide angle, and then I was trying to get some photographs of it as as the comet was sort of uh, coming down to set. Uh, on the landscape of the hillside you know as the hours went on into the night so I think I I stayed out until maybe one or two in the morning when the Big Dipper was sort of uh, scooping down a little low onto the horizon and then at that point the the place where the comet was dipped below the horizon and then was uh, out of view for the rest of the evening and I think even into the morning I think by that time when I was photographing it it wasn't it wasn't visible any longer uh, up in the morning sky. I think they said, uh, you know, at first in early July, you could kind of view it around Capella if you were able to get out early enough, say, three or four in the morning. But as it, as the direction, as it was moving, it was kind of creeping up um, pretty quickly, or, you know, day over day over day. It would kind of move a good chunk through the sky. And in the direction that it was moving, it was moving to be more visible at the nighttime, which really offered uh, more hours of good observation time, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, To wait until it was really dark enough in the northwest uh, view of the sky, probably about 1030 onward is when you're finally able to make out uh, those kind of finer points of light in the sky in that region. Uh, So it was really cool. Set up the tripod, set up the camera, uh, set up some manual focus to uh, To get it kind of set sharp at night, you, know, you can't you can't use autofocus when you're trying to make photographs of the the night sky and the stars because it just kind of seeks back and forth. So you have to set it to manual focus and then uh, ring out your um, your focus ring to infinity and then just back a little bit. You'll notice this every time if you do it. It's really frustrating in the dark because you can't really always make it out in a, in an easy way and, and edit your mistake. Uh, quickly, but if you go all the way to infinity, and then take fi- pictures there of the night sky, you're going to notice that those points of light that are the stars sort of end up a little fuzzy, and it's because all the way to infinity, for whatever reason, just isn't quite in focus at infinity, so you have to go to all the way out to infinity, and then back it off just a little bit, and that'll nearly ensure that most of that part of the image is in focus the whole way, and it's difficult even even if you do have uh, an f-stop that's a little bit more tightened out, say like an f4 or f6 or something, you're still going to get a lot of that that out-of-focus softness if the focus ring isn't really dialed into the right spot. So I tried to work on that a little bit. And uh, yeah, dialed in my focus, was able to set it up with uh, a reasonable ISO to get some images of the night sky and, and pick up some of those finer points of light. And then I was able to to take a series of photographs uh, in a few different locations out there in the John Day River Valley, uh, which I thought was really cool, it was it was uh, pretty to be out there, and it was a nice night, really warm in the river canyon, and uh, and really remote too. Like I was mentioning, I think I was the only person out there for a few miles. I saw another another group coming in on a they had like a little midsize uh, SUV, and they were going fishing out at a bend in the river, a couple miles up from where I was. And so I took my truck down a little further and, and camped out. Just on the side of the river, it was cool. Nice uh, green river up to the kind of high desert tan rim rock that uh, runs the area around there. Uh, So it was a it was a cool evening, cool campsite area. It was a cool spot to check out. Comet Neo wise too. So I tried to check it out uh, up up until I don't know what, yeah, one thirty in the morning when I couldn't see it anymore. And then uh, spent the night out there, out in the John Day River area. And then the next morning, got up and tried to check out some of the the different roads and stuff that that went around in that area so it was all pretty cool I was glad I was able to get out there and uh, do some uh, comet watching over the last uh, couple